You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. So I want to welcome you to this week's Dharma Talk. I apologize, it's one day late, uh, but as I say, better late than never. So uh, last week we dove into an overarching umbrella into the system of yoga, the yoga sutras, as they were passed down through a great teacher, Patanjali. And many of you might notice I quote him to lead into these Dharma talks and also to invite people to come and do yoga with me. Uh, As mentioned last week, yoga has many limbs and so it's not just about asana and even asana and pranayama. It's really designed to prepare the mind to meditate. In addition, it's designed to bring yourself into union with self and to be in harmony with nature. So this week, we're gonna dive into the first limb of yoga, which he calls them, or it's translated as the laws of life. And that could equally be the laws of nature. And so there's uh, certain things that we'll talk about today that you can go out into the woods, out into nature, and you could observe these to be true if you want to do a little check and balance for yourself. And it's super helpful, especially if you're struggling in the mind or the body to go out into nature, uh, even if it's your local park, uh, but a place that's relatively quiet, as that's how nature is, quiet (laughs) Uh, for the most part. There are some chirping of birds and so forth, but all in all, It's a very still environment. So that gives us clues. So as we dive into these laws of life or laws of nature, as mentioned, a law feels like it's something that's, if if you violate, you'll be punished. And really just like cause and effect, just like karma, the, the consequences are left with you and with those, uh, in our future lives. So if we are in right action, then we leave a positive imprint, one that builds and can serve many. And sometimes it's not always known what the best (laughs) course or action is. Yet, if we look to nature and as we look to these laws of nature of life, this will help you in addition combined with your own inner code of ethics. So as we go through these, I'm going to outline them here and then we'll go through each one more in depth but if we the first one we're going to look at uh is ahimsa which is non-violence and actually it's a long a so ahimsa i apologize ahimsa non-violence and then the second one is satya truthfulness honesty the third is asteya which is integrity And then the fourth one is Brahmachara, which is chastity, which will unlock that one. And 
The, the fifth one is apragara, which is not attachment. And so when we look at these five pillars, these are reflected in, in nature, the ecosystem that we live in. And how we can initially notice that if we're not in balance and harmony with these laws, quote unquote, uh, you can just reflect, and I'm going to welcome you to dive a little bit deeper, but you can reflect internally and see just a self-check, you know, are you in a state of illness, meaning disharmony, in Chinese medicine we call it disharmony, not disease. Uh, are you fatigued? Are you tired, worn out? Are you in a state of doubt? Are you in a state of carelessness, meaning you don't care, uh, and so then you've become careless? Uh, laziness, and uh, are you too sedentary or in that slothful state? Are you attached, like grasping for things? Uh, are you delusional? Have you created such story for yourself about what you think is that you've lost this the discernment to see what is. And then also we have these higher states that uh, the inability to attain samadhi or that enlightenment and retain it. Uh, so clearly from this uh, list that I just shared, uh, we all have some imbalances. So that's why you know, with this inner work, and I want to share that this is one of the most profound times right now to do some deep inner work because we're in a very uh, end of a culpa, end of an era that's really a dark period on planet Earth. It doesn't mean that there aren't beautiful things to witness and exchange with, but there's a lot coming up, and this is that opportunity to do that work, and it helps you set the course for the present moment and the future. Hence, those karmic talks are helpful because if you know the imprint you want to leave, then you work towards that. And the other stuff that comes up uh, will fade away. And that's when we're in our divine self and we meet, you know, obstacles. We understand that this, this is past karma ripening. And then if we can meet it with stillness, peacefulness, that we will move through that much more gracefully and have much deeper awareness as to why it's there versus uh, going into a mode where we feel sorry or frustrated. And that's okay, you know, if that's where you're at. It's just to remind yourself. And the more you remind yourself, then you will soften and uh, that humility will meet you. And then you'll really start to see what is, which is super fascinating. Uh, as I've witnessed in my own personal life. And so today we're gonna just dive in there. And so this act of uh, nonviolence, which, you know, there's nonviolent movements and violent is such a harsh word, <laughs> even for me to say that. And then nonviolence means that you abstain from. And so when we look at how nature is out in nature yes there is a food chain but other than that it's a very calm environment to be in it's very peaceful so that gives us a clue that ahimsa if we can meet life with our own inner peace 
if we can reflect the peace that nature mirrors towards us, uh, life becomes much more effortless. It creates a level of equanimity and uh, that inner peace then extends out beyond the natural ecosystem, which is peaceful, but to our fellow human species and then to our most present moment, into our future moments, into our future generations. And so this is a really valuable practice and it'll lead a little bit into satya, but we want to remember that we want to, to welcome in inner peace in our mind, in our heart, in our body, in our soul. And when we do that, then our actions will not be violent. <laughs> and so really, if you have to take that word, ahimse, to think of nonviolence as kindness, peacefulness, equanimity for self, and then it rolls out from there. Now, if, if we spend a lot of time being our a critic of ourself and then others, that's a sign that we're not at peace. Uh, and even in these global events right now, it's easy to get frustrated for all of us, myself included. Yet, if we bring it in and say, how do I welcome peace and right action for myself in this moment? How can I meet it with peace? What can I do? And sometimes that means just silence, reflection. And that's why when we're in a karmic moment, meaning maybe something positive is ripening or something negative, meaning building an energy or diminishing an energy. If we meet it with stillness, we can really absorb it for what it is and not become a runaway train one way or the other. So this leads us into satya, which is truthfulness. And that truthfulness, that honesty, again, if we go for inner to outer honesty, uh, we can see in nature that nature does not lie to us. She will lead us into one thing that's sometimes a mirage, you know, that horizon line where you think you're seeing water, but there's no water based on the dance between the sun and the surface and the molecules. And, you know, we're primarily water and this ecosystem is primarily water. So it's natural that we would maybe see that energy yet there all in all, there is just truthfulness everywhere we go in nature. Yet the human species has made this super complicated. So if you think about this, how to be honest with yourself is that and truthful with yourself is start by observing your thoughts, your speech, your actions, and really get truthful with yourself, radically honest with yourself. Because when we're not feeding ourselves with honesty, then we're, we have a propensity to trick ourselves, to justify our actions and feed into karmic moments that are diminishing versus building. And so the, it starts with the inner honesty and then you can get clues based on the language you use. In the work I do, I'm very poor, so I tend to pick up people's language uh, when I'm meeting with them and I notice, oh, I felt this in my language shifts to to uh, curse words <laughs> that I'll I'll be like, hmm, this person, you know, might have a propensity to do that in their mind or out loud. Um, or if I notice certain speech patterns that I hear someone else say or vice or vice versa, even for myself, 
those give me clues where the state of being is. And so you can do this for yourself. You can start to observe. And the goal is to have no thoughts, but observe what the quality of your thoughts and are they peaceful? Are they in harmony with nature? Uh, can you meet all of life with that peace? All of you with that peace? Is your speech, is it uh, truthful yet is it peaceful? And that's again, another one, uh, you know, and sometimes we have to say what is so, and we'll get a little deeper into that. Uh, and so that honesty is radical in the sense that when we have to say what is so to ourselves or others, it can be shocking because some people don't want to hear the truth because they're not ready for it. But again, if we want to be truthful, we have to discern when to speak the truth, especially if we're doing it for, to someone else. And sometimes it's best to wait till we're invited, you know, if someone wants feedback. If they don't, then you wait uh, and then you can guide with the speech in a way that's honest, but it's best not to uh, feed their delusion, if you will. And then, all, then this thought, speech, observation, is it truthful, is it honest, is it honest with yourself internally? It'll flow a lot more effortlessly in the outer world. When we're afraid to be honest with ourselves internally, that's where people tend to lie, tell stories, conflate things, because they're not really being honest internally. So sometimes it's feels safer for that individual to make up stories or uh, be phantasmic or uh, sugarcoat things so they are, look a little different than they really are. Um, and, the, and this is why on a yogic path, uh, the gaze gets softer, there's a level of humility, and that earth and earthy groundedness really is what is inviting when people uh, meet someone that's in that state of being because there's a level of just groundedness there. And so the, the last part of that is the action. Is it truthful? So are you just going along because other people are doing it? Uh, there's a lot of that happening right now. Um, or are you really being honest with yourself? So we've just been in this global uh, pandemic, I'll call it right now. And there's been a lot of things that people are doing because there's peer pressure. I observe it. You know, and they'll just do things because they feel like, oh, it's the least path of resistance. Uh, and so that's sometimes that may uh, be a truthful thing to do <laughs> because of your inner constitution. Yet at the same time, make sure you're being honest with yourself. So if you really in your gut know that you do not want to do something, then own it. And don't be afraid to stand up for that and be an action in alignment. Because when we're not in congruency and we play pretend just to like go with the crowd, we're not serving humanity, we're not serving ourselves, and we're not serving our ancestors. And right now is a really crucial point, moment in space for us to really be honest and ask questions, look around and uh, be truthful with yourself, inner and outer world. And this takes some exploration, um, inner wise and outer. And th this process doesn't end. Like uh, lately I've been really sitting with, you know, how I can be even more truthful and, you know, evaluating actually these laws of nature uh, because it, generally in life, we're gonna wax and wane a little bit 
just because things might be effortless and we're not you know as diligent and then usually when we meet adversity we realize ooh, i need to maybe rein it back in and be more aware and ultimately we just will become in a state of harmony so that we'll meet life at peace and truthfulness there's no fear of doing that so this leads us into astea which is integrity and that integrity is also known uh, as not stealing. So what's interesting is some people will look at these first three and say, oh, I'm not violent, I don't hit anyone, or I'm truthful, I don't tell any lies, or I don't steal anything. Yet there's deeper truths to these. So uh, there's, you know, I would say the majority of humanity is not at inner peace. And so therefore they are not honoring Ahimsa, and I would say the majority of humanity is not truthful with themselves or others, so they're not honoring uh, the laws of nature, and they're not in satya, and I would say the majority of humanity is not in integrity and is actually stealing and laying claim to things left, right, and center. It's really easy to do, especially with the World Wide Web. So uh, the reason people will go into this quote unquote stealing and these words like violence, stealing and lying, they're, oh, they're like big words, yet they're important words to really uh, deepen your understanding of what they mean. And typically if you're someone like that says, I want the truth, that means to really look at that, be truthful with self. I want honesty, really look at that. I want nonviolence, look at that. That means something inside is not in harmony, yet it's easy to point out externally. But we do the work internally and then we're embodying that and we can move through life with that for self and others. So when we're at a stay of integrity, non-stealing, that means that you are not laying claim. That's why in this day and age, legally speaking, we have copyrights and trademarks. Nature has this great way of reflecting this to us that everything is available, you know, all the resources available. And in indigenous culture, there were caretakers of the land. No one owned land. So we have laid claim to a lot of things, water, the sun, right now, the air, uh, the land and those do not belong to humans never have never will even no matter how much legal ease they do around that and the same there's it it's kind of if you create something it's known that you created it now if someone comes and steals it from you like literally steals it from you or takes your concepts or ideas and decides to pass it off as their own that will karmically catch up with them. So there's no need in, in reality for copyrights and trademarks, yet right now we're still in a system where people don't understand how to be uh, respectful of creation, of their creations and other people's creations. And the reason this is, is because you know our egos are still very much in charge at this point with the human species. Uh, the human species is quite ignorant. You know, I would say we're in our toddler years, infancy to toddler years, depending uh, on the individual. And there's just one simple thing. The reason we take <clears throat> and lay claim is because we don't remember that we're whole. 
and that we don't need to add anything to our to us meaning that we don't need to acquire more and more and more and more that we're whole we can f be filled by just our natural state of being and then anything that's added should be a value add will juice us up feed us now sometimes that's not always going to be possible but that's okay that meaning like if you're like oh what action could i take that will actually add value to me my family my community that starts to shift uh reality and then there's an honesty and a truthfulness to that and in addition you're moving yourself into more inner peace for example if you have a choice between downing a six pack and drinking a green juice the green juice is going to give you more value than the six pack and that's also going to keep you more peaceful than the six pack potentially even if you're happy on that six pack um there's still going to be a downward spiral from there it's similar to eating a box of donuts and then or eating a nice uh healthy balanced nutrient-rich meal there if you're truthful with yourself, you know, like, wow, that's not the best action for me to take. And I'm going to be more peaceful if I take this action that's going to add value. And so the act of taking, it keeps us out of integrity, stealing, and it keeps us in, in lying and keeps us in a state of ignorance. So these three, you can kind of refer to that way where you can really hold yourself in uh, accountability if you so do choose to really ask those deep questions am I inner peace where am I not at inner peace uh, am I being truthful and honest in my inner world and am I being truthful in my outer world sometimes it's easier to detect where you're not truthful in your outer world and then you can pull it back and see why you're not being truthful internally because people will tell lies about I don't know lots of different things for lots of different reasons that's a whole segment itself but that can give you an indicator where it exists internally and you can start to do the inner work um so and then if we start to realize that we lay claim to things like maybe we take a, a concept and we pass it off as our own or uh maybe we do something really overt like steal actual stealing of mess that you know we don't feel whole that we don't trust the deeper aspect of self and we don't trust that nature provides us with everything we need and the divinity that runs through you will keep you feeling full and reminding you of that so the next spot so if you inspired if you really tune these in and really see where you are and it's a good check-in to do consistently in your life um, seasonally almost uh, is then from there uh, we're going to Ramashara Sharia, sorry, Ramasharia. And that is noted in translation as celibacy, which gets a little confusing because it pinpoints it right into uh, sexual energy and restraining. And there's no restraint wanted or, or constriction wanted in uh, the, the system of yoga. You're to come in union. And obviously, uh, sexual energy the sacral energy is used for creation, not just uh, reproduction, but also the creation of all things. And so this is really a pure energy. And really the translation would be that you're living in what is and that you know how to be self-reliant 
you're whole, you're pure, innocent. And there's interdependence versus codependence. And so if we look at that, if we're really living in what is, then we're not going to go to some of those afflictions. We're, we're not going to become in disharmony with our physical, mental, or spiritual being or emotional being. There won't be fatigue and doubt and carelessness and laziness and attachment and delusion because we're really aware with what is. And sure, there might be adversity or uh, certain things that are happening, but if we're really living with what is, then we can discern what is, meaning that we know it is. We realize that we are self-reliant and that no matter what the situation is, we can figure it out. And then this, like beginner's mind when we're in this place of purity and innocence we start to see the fabric of how things are woven together and that's where that child's mind is so helpful and those questions are so helpful um, that we see the intrinsic nature of being like a tapestry with one another that we don't have to be codependent on one another so really profound state of being to be in and then we're it's really easy to meet life peacefully, honestly, with integrity, and we'll have discernment. We're not going to be tricking ourselves. We're not in a state of delusion. Then what happens is your creative energy is off the charts. And of course, there are people that uh, are not in their highest and best and distort the sacral energy in a way and they create with it, but you can feel it, it comes from the dark underbellies of an energy that doesn't serve and uh in the long run it, it will go through a heat death you can't sustain that energy and eventually it'll catch up in karmic laws <laughs> meaning cause and effect and uh, that person will realize the truth of those uh so really if you think about you know the translation would be celibacy but if you really say okay how can I live with what is? How can I be self-reliant? That means that's why that word celibacy is so interesting because it's not meaning you're going to abstain from sexual uh, procreation or making love with your partner. It means that you're already full. And then what happens when you meet your partner if you're in a, a, a relationship in, con in sexual congress or making love, it's going to feel so much more full. You're not grasping at them. And this is why people have sexual addictions, afflictions, they're grasping through the sacral and it's not pure. It's not innocent. It's, it's uh, confusing and it's not interdependent. So two forces of energies that are interdependent, you can see it everywhere in the forest. They don't grasp at one another. They're doing their thing. They meet together. They're full, they're whole and they exchange that energy and it's really powerful it doesn't deplete it builds and so when we talk about being celibate it means celibate from things that will diminish our sacral energy versus build them up and this is why uh, for women especially you are designed to create a human life so from heart to womb heart to your sacral area very um just a really powerful ley line and so it's really hard for women whether they realize it or not unless their heart is completely closed off to be uh in intimate relationship just without addressing their heart now it's not sustainable to uh 
be uh, loving a lot of people at once in that manner, uh, you will burn out. And there, there's all these mirrors of that. That's a whole other show in nature. So, and keep it kind of simple there that uh, if, if inspired, I would evaluate, are you self-reliant? Do you feel whole? Do you feel pure and innocent? Like, do you have that child's like mine? Are you interdependent? Where, if so, if not uh, at all, uh, note that. And uh, how much of your, how codependent are you with your family, friends, your partners, work relationships? And how would you rate the quality of your creative energy and your discernment? And if we mirror it back to truthfulness, uh, peacefulness and being an integrity that creative energy wouldn't be stolen or taken from anyone it would be completely honest and pure uh, and it would be peaceful meaning the energy that would flow through it your creative energy would not feel erratic stressed um, anxious it wouldn't feel like trickster it'd be pure like a child and then from there, our fifth one, and then we'll get into our silence, this aprigaraha. Oh, I always say it wrong. Aprigaraha. <laughs> My Italian wants to come through. Um, this is non-attachment, and this doesn't mean aloof. It doesn't mean just going with the flow when you don't really want to go with the flow. And then it also means that you're not grasping. So if you tend to grasp in your mind, your heart, your body, your soul. This is a sign that this is not in harmony. And you'll know it's in harmony when you're spontaneously effortless, meaning that your state of being just can flow. It's productive. It's moving. There's no questions. There's no doubts. There's no overthoughts. The emotional center is plumb meaning that the pendulum isn't swinging all over the place. And even when it swings, you can bring it back pretty quickly. And this is a state where you're feeling very flexible and adaptable, like the energy of water. So it pairs really nicely with that sacral energy. So when we're in harmony with nature, the laws of life, the yamas, we're at inner peace. We're truthful with ourself in thought, speech, and action. And we're truthful with others in thought, speech, and action. And then we are in integrity. There's no stealing or lying, laying claim to what's not yours. You remember that you're whole. And then you have great discernment you realize the value of interdependence. You are self-reliant. That wholeness speaks through in all that you do from creating a great painting to making love, to cooking in the kitchen, to all your great work. You're living in what is. And you're spontaneously, effortlessly flowing in your state of being. You feel flexible and adaptable and flow quite beautifully. And at that juncture, 
You reach a level of feeling the divine running through you, feeling nature run through you. And that's a pretty yummy place. And so in the system of yoga, this is a place to really use as a wayfinding device, these laws of nature every day, once a week, every season, once a lunar cycle or month, just to give us awareness. And the more diligent we are, again, it's not a law that has a consequence, meaning someone's gonna come and give you a ticket or lock you up and put you in jail. The effect will be felt by you and only you. And so I encourage you after the segment to take some time to make some mental notes or to uh, reflect and write down, have a little check-in with yourself and see where you're at. And all we can do is soften our gaze a little bit more uh, and see where we go and deepen the understanding of these. So with that being said, we're going to move into our silence and then into the sound and I'll pop back in on the other side and I welcome you just to, uh, if you want, be in Shavasana, corpse pose, or you can be in upright seated position, lotus, half lotus, uh, or cross-legged posture. And then take a nice gentle breath in and then exhale out. Another one, inhale. And exhale. One more, inhale. And gently from there just welcome you to follow your natural breathing pattern you can bring your gaze soft gaze and attention to one spot one focal point to assist in quieting the mind if you have a more proficient meditation practice feel free to close your eyes but if the mind gets busy open them and look at a focal point one spot and take one more breath in and out.
Oh, ah, 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 ah. 
Mm-hmm.
Taking a soft, gentle breath into your heart center, gently breathing in and out. Again, inhale and Another one, inhale and exhale. And then gently moving your fingers and toes. And if you want, uh, you can roll over onto your right or left side and come up into a seated position. Just reconnecting to my speaking voice. And as you rise up, just coming up into that seated position and then taking another deep breath in and out. And just taking a moment to acknowledge self all aspects of self, giving gratitude, and if inspired, dedicating your practice that you just completed for the benefit of all beings. And then also if inspired, just sending out a wish or prayer to a person, people, and or place that you feel it would be needed and or welcomed. And so just to recap, as you release those prayers, wishes, whatever words you wish to use, uh, if you have a little bit more time, space, I should say, 
uh, I'm welcoming you to connect to these yamas and uh, I, I put them below in their simplest form on this uh, device here that you're listening to this on. You'll see it in the description so you can uh, record it or copy and paste it and also uh, including it in the letter that you receive this on. And so take some time to see how you can meet life peacefully, AKA nonviolently, internally and externally. Be easy with yourself, be kind to yourself, be peaceful to yourself. And then it's a lot easier to be that to and with the world around you. Ahimse. And then satya, truthfulness. Practice being truthful in your thoughts, your speech, and your actions. Be honest internally and externally. Remember that nature doesn't lie. Uh, so there's a transparency that's ever present and always available to you. Asteya, integrity, uh, as inspired. Remember that you're whole. You don't have to lay claim to things that aren't yours, especially mother nature. And welcome yourself to see truthfully, honestly, and what is, let the ego soften, the gaze soften, and welcome yourself to see what is, which will assist you in living in Brahmachara, where you are living with what is, you're whole, you're self-reliant, you're pure, you're in an interdependent relationship with yourself and the world around you. Uh, you will have great discernment in that space and your creative energy will be flowing in a way that's very integral, honest, peaceful, and at its full state of power. And then, uh, one last thing, if you're inspired, uh, feel into what it means not to grasp, to stay in your spontaneous flow, not wanting to know so much, but really be full and your ever-present state of being with every situation that you meet, being willing to adapt, and surrender to what's unfolding. And then, you know, when you're, the beneficial karma and the payback karma arrives, see it for what it is. Listen, pause, and move forward just with your ease and grace. So that's a, a big one, but a, a super helpful, uh, way to reflect on the natural laws of nature, the laws of life. And when in alignment with those, life becomes much more effortless. So as inspired, take a little bit longer stay here. We're going to listen to a little Donna Deloria, Delori. My tongue is a little tied today. Uh, Aham Prema, you are divine love. And then next week we'll go over the Niyamas, rules for living, which will assist you uh, with the laws of life. 
and see what happens, see what's revealed to you as you go through this process. Again, we're working towards uh, a settled mind. That's the goal <laughs> here. So, uh, and if you go out in the woods, you'll see how nature reflects a settled mind. Until next time, this is she, a.k.a. Suzanne Toro, signing out with a full heart, a gentle smile, soft gaze, a deep bow, and a namaste. Be simply.
Listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, aka She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. (laughs) 